Hello, everyone, and welcome again to the Wild Wisdom Wellbeing Guest Slot. And I'm Robin Harris, uh, founder of Equenergy. Uh, this is my group, Wild Wisdom Wellbeing. And today I am absolutely delighted because I have the wonderful, lovely Sarah Alder of Kitchen Titbits joining us today to talk about reduction of food waste and supporting fussy eaters. And Sarah, if I just introduce you i know that you are a meal planning and family meal times expert and that your focus on is on moving them from stressful to stress-free which i think is such an important thing to be able to eat in a stressless stress-free environment is so good for our well-being and also that you're a kitchen mentor and that you teach meal planning and how to save time and energy and reduce the food waste in your kitchen, therefore your food bills, and all of those wonderful, wonderful things that we really want to know about at this time. And to take away the stress of that question, what's for dinner? <laughs> it's a tough one, yeah. isn't it? Sometimes? Well, it can be very, very tough. And as I was saying just earlier, to uh, support those parents who have fussy eaters, because some kids really can have a very restricted sense of what they will and won't eat, don't they? Uh, and then what I really, really loved in the information you sent me was that you put the fun back into mealtimes because yeah. I think fun is such an important part of our lives. So having done that introduction, uh, sort of the formal introduction, I'd love you just to share a little bit about who is Sarah and how did Kitchen Titbits come about? Well, thank you, Robin. It's a pleasure to be in your group. Thank you for inviting me and for such a lovely introduction. Um, so I am Sarah and uh, I'm a mum of two children. Harvey's just turned eight and Alexis is just uh, three. Um, we live in Bristol uh, with my husband. Um, and we're absolutely freezing right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's been so cold. <laughs> well, um, Kitchen Tidbits came about, um, just under three years ago now. And I left my job running a business with a friend of mine after my daughter was born. Um, it was clear to me during that leave, well, probably before that, but, um, most certainly during that leave, that the passion after 16 years of doing that job had had gone. Um, and it was starting to make me ill and stressed and depressed. And I was dreading going back. So um, rather than wait out my plan to start stepping back three to five years from where I was, um, I decided it was time to just do something different right there and then. And I brought back and brought forward my plans. Um, and that's when I set up Kitchen Tidbits as a business. And it was really taking what was a blog and a hobby and turning it into a business. Um, and here I am now absolutely loving everything that I'm doing and helping so many more people than I could even have ever have imagined when I uh, set about it. And it was one of those things. It was a passion. I wanted to give it a go. I would really regret it if I hadn't have done it. And um, 
so yeah my business really is about my way of sharing my knowledge and passion for all things kitchen related with others um, I really was privileged to be able to have been brought up in the kitchen by mum and grandma um, and learned so much from them and um, so many People these days just don't have those opportunities either at home or at school um, and haven't learned the fundamental, what I think are fundamental life skills that, that I teach now. So, um, yeah. yeah. And I love all of what you're sharing there about the taking that leap because it's a leap of faith mm -hmm. and it takes courage, but that it has turned out to be you know really listening to your body has taken you on that journey that as you say now means that you're living this life you're you're fulfilling that dream that you would have always regretted if you hadn't and you're supporting so many people in an area which i think is so essential like you say that the kitchen is the heart of the home it's the heart of the family potentially and that you can share those fundamental yeah that you can share those fundamental learnings that you know bring a family together plus your kids are going to grow up and they're going to share that with their kids and all those precious memories i look back on my childhood and i too was very fortunate to have a mum who loved baking and taught me to bake and all of those happy memories in the kitchen i'm sure they're very messy memories but <laughs> that was all part of the fun doing That's all that baking and, and yeah, flour so everywhere memories are smells from the kitchen yes so so evocative aren't they to yeah. for our memory smell mm. yeah, absolutely. definitely uh so what when you talk about fundamental life skills that you teach can you tell us a little bit more about those what do you think are the fundamental skills yeah so most of the time i'm starting with um meal planning so teaching about uh, meal planning as a way to save money, to reduce food waste, uh, like you said earlier, saving time and energy in the kitchen, but also it enables us to eat better and a wider variety of foods. Um, and, you know, many living on a budget, if you're meal planning, actually you can eat like a king on a budget if you're thinking about it and, and preparing and planning ahead. Um, I teach about reducing food waste as a way of saving money, um, making the most of what you're buying um, and reducing your impact on the environment. So um, it's, it's not just a, a money saving thing. I think there's a lot to be learned for, for helping protect the environment. Um, another thing that I do is teaching people to cook and building confidence in the kitchen. Um, and so many just haven't had time as we had with mum in the kitchen um, and just aren't confident. And I work with them one to one and in small groups um, just to give them that confidence, that boost and um, the knowledge of how to cook intuitively. So not not having to rely yes. on the recipe, um, mm. which, in you know, adds stress to it. Following a recipe can be really stressful. Um, but it's about knowing how to cook intuitively and, and by taste and by looking at what's happening as you cook and being able to understand ingredients that go together so that you can go to the fridge and just use up what's there. Um, 
rather than thinking, oh, I don't know what to do with it and it's going in the bin. Um, and then the other side, as you've mentioned, is supporting parents of fussy eaters um, to take the stress away from mealtimes and support them to help their fussy eaters develop a love of food and a positive relationship with food so they're not growing up feeling like they have to clear their plate that um that they um have to reward themselves with with pudding to <laughs> um and and those kind of things and and ultimately increasing the number and variety of foods that they're eating which um you know we know that for gut health, having that huge variety um, in our diets is, is really important. So. Yeah, because actually we're not feeding ourselves solely, we're feeding the microbes, we're feeding that gut biome. So it's feeding the, the healthy aspects of that gut biome so that it therefore supports our well-being. And food, it can be such a tricky issue, can't it? Because as you say, we reward ourselves with pudding and we force ourselves to clear our plate, which it's all minor or, you know, to a late, greater or lesser degree, depending on your experience, but can be tr quite traumatic as a child. Yeah, my mum yeah, describes being forced to eat broad beans, which she just can't abide anymore, and being given worming tablets by her grandmother in strawberry jam, so she can't eat strawberry jam anymore. So we, we have all these associations and sometimes hang-ups around food. And food isn't something that we can just stop. <laughs> We have to eat to live. So if we, when we can have a healthy relationship with food and have build these fun, happy, um, supportive memories, I think it, it's so good. And and like you say, supportive of our well-being. And just when you were talking about fussy eaters, there it reminded me of my mum's friend's son, who as a child was labelled a fussy eater. But then one night they took a takeaway. I think it was uh, and it, a curry takeaway and he was can I have a bit and they were thinking he's too young it's too spicy he won't like it he's a fussy eater he went on to become the family cook because he got one taste of that and whether his taste buds just needed that something you know that all the flavors that you can get in a curry all the different spices mm. and that mixture that just comes together in that wonderful blend but it just lit him up he became so enthusiastic about food yeah. which had been an yeah. enemy you yeah. know how it yeah. can become a real yeah. stressful time at the table it's very true that we we kind of steer away from spices when we're weaning and actually you know yeah keep it keep it low key with the chili but there are so many fragrant mm. spices that we can introduce and you know we don't generally as adults eat bland food so you know why why would we give our babies bland food um you know they do need to get to know the natural tastes of of vegetables and other foods that they're eating but yeah very early on start to introduce flavors and and let them eat as you would eat um i think is really important um, and just, and I, I'm not a great chili fan, but I, I love curry. I love spices. I'm not too fond of the really hot ones. So with when there's chili in it, I find that overpowering. But I like the blend of all the different spices. And there's a lot of them. I mean, I know that with weaning and things, maybe you're sensitive to the fact that your child is younger and their taste buds and their digestion is different. But there are a lot of the spices that add flavor. They add um 
things that support our well-being they support our digestion so fennel seed for example i i use that quite a lot i don't um, like aniseed but just in little bits it i think it works really well and uh ginger which can be very warming in cold days like this all yeah. these wonderful ways in which we can use food mm. and um was it hippocrates who was saying let food be your medicine, medicine so, yeah. so I think what you offer is is has so many layers of richness. <laughs> Thank you. I hope so. So, uh, when people are struggling with their meal planning, what sort of ways do you support them? What what do you offer around that area? Yeah. So um, I I work with people one to one to provide support, and I get to know what their challenges are. Um, and really tailor and structure the, the sessions around what they need. Um, I'm, I'm a strong believer that, you know, there's several ways to skim the meal planning cap. And, um, you know, just because meal planning hasn't worked the first time you've done it doesn't mean that meal planning doesn't work um, or that it isn't for yeah. you. Actually, it's about finding a way that does work for you in your lifestyle um, and, and being able to, to turn it into something that you can stick with. Um, and I also offer online courses and um, a meal planning power hour. So just a real quick deep dive and just to get you started. Um, and then there's resources on my website as well. Um, downloads with top tips of, of meal planning success and, and also, uh, um, a ready-made meal plan as well for, for different diets. So one week meal plan, all done for you, the pressure taken away, have a week off. <laughs> and I love that, that you're basically saying one size doesn't fit all, that each family is going to have its own dynamic, you know, who's working, when are they coming and going, who's at school, what hours are they doing? what after school activities are they doing those days when there just isn't the time to to cook and barely time to sit down together as a family or whatever and that you cater for for all the different varieties you know not everybody has an interest in cooking not everybody has that passion mm. for it so you know there are ways to do meal planning which mean you can reduce how often you're cooking um and and again yeah taking care and it's just what not just what's going on in your life, but how do you think and how do you react? Some people are fly by the seat of the pants kind of people. And meal planning to them is just so rigid. Um, yes. But actually you can have meal planning structure and still fly by the seat of your pants during the, during the week. But just having a little bit of structure means that you can shop for what you need and you've got the ingredients there so that, you know, and a set of meals that you can go to without having to to find that headspace at dinner time to think what am I going to cook and and you know opening that fridge and and, and expecting it to tell you what's for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> Not unless you you've done one of your workshops or whatever, and you can look in there and go that 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 can make this. You know, then you 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 can get that inspiration. 
planning and, and structure goes yes. in to get to that point. You oh, know? absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. What I meant was you have that prep that gets you to that point. And I love the way you, you, you say there that it depends on your personality as much as anything else, because I'm one of those people. I don't like it has to be my mum's family when she was growing up was Monday was this, Tuesday was this, Wednesday was this. And yeah, I probably do kind of live not Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, but I have my set meals. But I don't like to be told that I'm having that meal on that day. I like to at least pretend to myself <laughs> that I'm being quite spontaneous. But yes, so you, you have those things that you fall back on when there's just, I'm too tired to even think about it today. Really and then they have the times where you just go to the cupboard and inspire me. Yeah, and, and you need to to have gone through a process to, to know what those are, but also to have the opportunities through meal planning to extend that repertoire um, of go-to dishes. Um, but if you're not planning and you're not thinking about things that that you could be cooking then that 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 repertoire is always going to be really small and actually the average person eats just six meals on repeat so six meals week in week out <laughs> and it really is no wonder so many come to me saying that they're stuck in a rut and they're bored at yeah. dinner time <laughs> it's just rescue me from dinner time boredom <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, and, and that's again where, where the fundamentals come in, like you were saying, to learn how to cook by feel. But I love that idea that, that you're not cooking from a recipe, you're cooking from love. You're cooking from just inspiration and intuition and just flying by the seat of your pants. And then even though you're maybe cooking the same meal, it'll maybe have just a slightly different nuance or, you know, you can add something that I've never tried this vegetable before or whatever. It gives you that flexibility. Yeah, absolutely. And um, it, it just helps with the confidence and it, and it helps when when um, you're not really sure what to cook as well. Um, thinking about ingredients that go together but if you haven't experimented with them it's really hard to know those things and, and know what you like just because a recipe says that it needs to include these ingredients doesn't mean that that's right for your palate and actually you can can learn yeah. by experimenting that that doesn't work for me but that does work for me by by doing this to it um, um and having, I, even just having that permission you know, giving yourself permission. I can take that one out and put this one in or whatever. I just wanted to say hi as well. We've had some comments there. I don't know if you can see them at your end. Unfortunately, it's just coming up with Facebook users, so I don't know who it is, but hello, it's lovely to have you with us. <laughs> so um, do you have any tips for just starting out with meal planning? Yeah, so I, I think that's that's the toughie from a lot of people. They, they, they realise that they need to do some meal planning, but just have got no idea where to start. Um, and, and then struggle with the idea of being able to stick with it. And meal planning to me is a habit, and it's a good habit to get into. But like all habits, they take practice, don't they? Um, they do. <laughs> and uh, and and with practice they become easier and quicker as well so um my first tip would be to schedule some time in your calendar to actually make it happen um if it's if it's there as a task then it's it's more likely to happen um and as with anything 
sleeping yeah. or fortnightly, whatever you need, reminder um, pops up um, and until you're in that habit and you know it's something that needs to happen, just like brushing your teeth. Um, do it when it makes sense for you. So there's no point in saying, I'm going to do my meal planning on a Sunday evening if that's not when your head is in the game. If you're exhausted, you're thinking about getting ready and relaxing for the, the week ahead, then that's not the time to be doing it. So, you know, find find when when is going to be good for you. So that could be in your lunch break. It could be on a weeknight after you've got home from work where your head's still in that kind of focused work frame of mind. Um, you could break it down into chunks and do a little bit, 10 minutes here and there throughout the week, again, to make it more manageable. Um, Bite-sized pieces are usually a lot easier to deal with and, and less overwhelming. Um, and the other thing to do is um, perhaps do it whilst you're having dinner, a discussion over the dinner table. Um, your, your mind's already in it and um, and actually it's, it's kind of that habit stacking or habit tagging. So tagging on to mm -hmm. something you're already doing helps uh, to, to make things um, become habitual so much easier. Um, I know we talk about it quite a lot with with exercise and other things, but it, yeah. it's the same way with, with with meal planning with anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, and finally, it's just a case of doing it. Just make a start, and, and like yeah. so many things, stop putting it off and just do it because the thought of it is way worse than than yeah. than actually um, doing it. And um, you know you put it off, put it, put, put it off and put it off. And actually you could have had it done in 15, 20 minutes. It's <laughs> and the more you put it off, the bigger and more yeah, kind of off-putting it feels to you. And yeah. like you say, you can do it in little bite-sized pieces. It doesn't have to be all at once. And once you start and get into the swing of it, and also once you start, you might think this one doesn't work for me, but there are other options. If you try one way, it doesn't mean like you say, that meal planning doesn't work for you. It's just, okay, that didn't work, but maybe this element did, and maybe I'll try that other technique as well. Yeah. Yeah, there's lots of ways to, 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 to approach it, and, you know, you don't have to structure the whole seven breakfasts, seven lunches, seven dinners, um, you know, and say that Monday is this and Tuesday is that. You can just pick and mix, or as you get into the habit, you can say, okay, well, I'm good with planning dinner. I don't need to plan lunch because actually I can um, think of the hoof that I, I could make extra here and extra there, and that'll take care of those lunches. I've got the oven on here so I can stick a potato in for, for that day. Um, and, and you, the more you do it, the more that you that becomes natural and um yeah yeah so you know you don't have to put the, the full effort in and feel restricted by it and what you were just saying there about you know i've got the oven on i'll put a potato in or i'll cook this that i can then use cold the next whatever that's something that if you haven't done the planning the next day you might have gone oh yeah. i could have been having this if yeah. only i'd have thought last night when i had the oven on to have cooked that to go with yeah. it but if you haven't done the planning, you haven't bought that extra to be able to do that. Um, yeah, or yeah. even just stuck it in the oven. It's sitting there in the fridge looking at you cold. Yeah. <laughs> and it could have been cooked. <laughs> yeah. So, so why are you so passionate about food waste? Mm. 
yeah, so reducing our food waste can have a really positive impact on both our bank balances and the environment. And the way I like to look at it is that you wouldn't throw a five pound note in the bin, so why throw your food in the bin? Um, <laughs> and as I said earlier, people are looking to cut back on their food spending and tighten budgets and making the most of the food that you're buying and reducing your food waste is a really easy way to achieve that. Um, and there's some really simple ways in which we can both prevent and reduce food waste. Um, so I'm keen to just share as much of that as possible with people. Now, I'm not expecting people to go from creating food waste to zero waste. I think for so many, that's just not achievable. And, it, I, you know, I don't do that. But it's about um, giving them enough tips and pointers in the right direction and just opening the mind to um, just being more creative with with what you've got and what you might be able to do with it just to make the most of, of what we're buying. Um, and it's about picking just two or three things to start with that you think that you can do. And um, again, it's about building the good habits. So it's what can you do? To, to become habitual and then pick another couple and just build and build and build gradually over time. But as well, it's just everybody doing a few small things can have a huge, um, huge impact and um, a massive collective change. So um, Definitely. And I think that's so important to look after our resources. Um, yes. uh, you know, depleting resources Definitely. and, um, yeah, I mean, we've just become accustomed to easy access to so much, and actually, we we really need to look at look look after what we've got for for our future um, and for our children. Yeah, I agree completely. Looking at where our food comes from, how it's produced, how we're using it, and not just over, you know taking stuff that we then throw away because it has gone to waste. But do you have a top tip? that you can share that will maybe either uh, start people off if they haven't been looking at reduction of food waste or that we could add if we're already conscious, but maybe feeling we could do a little bit more. Yeah, so simple things are, are around, I, I've said it a lot this interview, but um, about making the most of, of the ingredients you've got. And one of the ways to do that is to make use of the whole ingredient. So uh, root veg, for example, do you really need to peel it? Can you scrub it? And you're eating the skin. There's extra nutrients in the skin and just under Fiber. it. You're going to take that off if you peel it. Um, but that's creating, by peeling it, you're creating... Uh, needless waste um, but if you feel you have to peel it then you know keep them and put them in the freezer and um, as as your amount builds up you can then use that to, to create a stock which in turn can be frozen for until you need it or if you've got the oven on those peelings on a tray with a drizzle of olive oil a bit of salt and pepper and you turn them into crisps absolutely amazing um and such a lovely uh, snack uh, or extra crunch on the the top of your dish and there are so many things like that making use of the ingredients so a squeezed lemon or orange or lime for example um there's so much flavor still left in 
in that zest and that pale, um, which you can put to good use. And that can be as simple as just dropping, dropping it in a glass of water to, to flavor mm. your water. And again, they can be um, kept in the freezer and used whenever you need them. Um, if you're dropping it into water, you've got flavor and you've got an ice cube. Um, you can use them to make herbal teas. Um, well, one of my favorites is, um, is to use the the squeezed lemon halves to create preserved lemons. I absolutely adore preserved lemons from mm. cooking. Um, and the beauty there is with a preserved lemon, when you buy it, actually it's just the the, um, the rind that you're using in your cooking and or your salads. Um, so a squeezed lemon um, half is 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 perfect for creating your own. And all you need is the squeezed lemons. Um, salt and boiling water and a jar um sterilized jar and you're away absolutely delicious uh, addition to salads and and tagines mm -hmm. and full of vitamin c which is so good to have at this time of the year love the peeling <laughs> ideas not sure our rabbit will be happy though oh bless we're depriving but, the rabbit of his peelings <laughs> That, that to me is not waste though, you know, if you're no. using feelings and they're, they're going to the rabbit or the guinea pigs is the other one that comes up for me a lot is I'm stealing food from the, from the guinea pigs. Um, but that's not going to waste for me, that, that's putting it to good use. Um, so yeah, don't be stealing. It's just another family member that's having a meal. It might be a four-legged family member, but somebody's still eating them. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> And actually, my, my son absolutely loves getting involved in, in um, you know, making the most of what we've got. He's really got on board with it. Um, and um, at the moment, his, his favourite is using the apple cores. So when he has his apple for a snack, he still wants it cut up. Um, but we keep the cores um, and we put them in a cafetiere with a, a stick of cinnamon. And he has apple and cinnamon tea, um, which is absolutely delicious. But yeah, you know, mm. the core would get discarded, but we've made the most of it but before it has been been thrown out. So it, it really is thinking beyond the food waste bin, what can I do? And uh, there's there's so many, so many things that are, are really easy to do like that. Um, and even the things that would like most people do. would think aren't usable, you know, that that's often if we talk about reducing food waste, you might think of just, oh, that last piece of cauliflower or whatever that's gone a bit rubbery and I don't think it's edible anymore. You know, those yes, things yes, that they've just, <laughs> they've just sat in the fridge a little bit too long rather than the peelings or the core, which we think, oh, well, that's not a bit that we yeah. eat anyway. Yeah, but obviously it can be. Yeah, and, and so there's so much more to it. So there's eating the whole ingredient. Um, there's, as you say, making uh, use of every little last little bit that you've got. Uh, with that cauliflower, yeah, I would put it on a roasting tray with some spices and, and mm -hmm. make use of it there and stick it in a curry maybe. But again, like there's the leaves of a cauliflower, for example, which many would just discard and, you know, roasted off, they go crispy and absolutely delicious. Or you can chop them up and, and put them through a stew, much the same as you would with uh, would, would spinach. But also there's the, there's the, um, preventing it going to waste by storing things properly. So things yes. like herbs, which would go off really quickly, wrapping them um, as soon as you get them in damp, 
tea towel um, and storing them in a Tupperware box in the fridge just helps them last longer. Um, carrots, that's another one of my favorites, is um, as soon as you get them, put them in a Tupperware box, cover with cold water and again in the fridge. And that stops them going that um, crinkly, wrinkly, floppy. Um, Rubbery. Yeah, so where if they're just left in the fridge in the veg, uh, veg tray for a week, they, they can go in just a week, they can go like that. Oh. But, you know, it's, it's about getting you from one shop or one veg box to the next. Um, it's, it's not about extending the life. So so much that you're completely losing the nutritional value but there's, there's bits that take you from one shop to the next and and prevent you i mean so many people would be put off eating that crinkly wrinkly carrot um but actually you can stop it getting to that point um mm. uh, with with a few simple steps and then i've got loads more tips like that in in a download if anyone is interested i can drop the link in the comments Afterward, that would be wonderful to share i think absolutely and then moving on to the fussy eaters <laughs> what do you offer in support for all those parents out there who are finding mealtimes very stressful pulling their hair out worrying about their kids getting a decent nutrition intake yeah so and and there's a lot out there <laughs> it really is tough and i think so many of during lockdown as well have just seen yeah. uh felt that pressure even more um so again i work with with parents one-to-one -one, um or uh i was pre-lockdown doing small group workshops and i i love the small group workshops they're around my dining room table it's where where it all happens so it's a really nice environment in which to learn and and, and take that pressure off um but i've translated that into an online program now which i deliver through facebook um in a closed group but it, it really does translate that that face-to-face -face workshop and community vibe that you get um, in an online environment. So yeah, several ways to, to work with me there um, with the facilitators. And do you have a really uh, kind of broad general tip that you could give just as a starting point for parents out there? Yeah, don't give up. <laughs> don't give up. Very good. Yeah. Not eating it, don't give up offering it keep on offering being consistent and persevering really is one of the keys to to overcoming the fussy eating so um yeah don't don't stop offering it just because they're not eating it and like we were talking about before maybe try things that you wouldn't have expected like my uh, mum's friend's son who went for curry totally yeah, unexpected by everybody or the the taking the stress out of it and just making it fun it's not yeah. a, you must eat this yeah. you must clear your plate no from getting involved in the kitchen and actually you know it's so much more fun steaming something off the chopping board whilst you, your mum's got their back turned than it is eating it off your plate at the dinner table <laughs> so true. And the other thing is to reframe it so rather than it being dinner time i i I kind of talk on my courses about it being family time and um, that time around the mm. table. And it, again, it just takes that emphasis away from the food and actually it being time together and, and that time of having fun and, and social kind of side of, of, of eating. Cause we, you know, there is so much more to, to food than, than the eating of it. 
Um, yeah, taking that pressure off and yeah. the the focus of attention away from you are not eating or that sort of yeah. thing into this is just a time for us to be together. Yeah, absolutely. And that helps mum stay calm. And if mum's calm at the table, then, you know, that children are calmer and more likely to to, to want to explore food a lot more. And you were saying about being in the kitchen and stealing something off the chopping board when <laughs> mum isn't looking. But also, I think if if kids are involved, I remember myself, you know, baking something. If you're baking a gingerbread man or a cake, you want to know how did it turn out? Is it good? Is it nice? And having a stir, like you can stir the Christmas pudding or whatever it is to then go, oh, I might just like to try that actually, because I have some ownership. I have, I had input. I'd like to see how it turned out. Absolutely. And that might not be the first time that they make it. That might be. Yeah. Twenty times later, but <laughs> but yeah, it, it just it just supports their confidence and uh, removes the scariness from from food. And and you know, for a lot of children, food is scary. They don't know what to expect. So um, you know, they don't have the experiences that we have to draw on, um, which which make us able to understand that a food might feel like or taste like or you know from from what we can see and what we can smell um and touch so it's so food is scary for many of them and there there is that thing about texture of food as well because i know somebody who's a vegetarian because she can't stand the texture of meat it's nothing to do with anything else it's just the texture mm -hmm. so there's a whole load of of uh, factors to consider aren't there as to why a child is a fussy eater is it the texture they don't like is it the smell is it that they're worried it's going to get stuck in their throat if they've had an experience previously. So there's all of these things. Yeah. Or even hungry come dinner time. You know, if they, if you know, children have smaller appetites in the evening, they they kind of eat the reverse of how as adults we have grown to learn to eat. Um, and where we may have our big meal in the evening, actually, they're eating really well, eating like kings at breakfast. And, um, you know, they don't need very much by the evening. Or if you haven't timed snacks right, they're just not hungry enough to, to eat at dinner time. So, you know, there's, there's, they might not actually be fussy. It might just be yeah. the time. Yeah, another, another issue altogether. But it's interesting you're saying there about kids eat more, they, they front load their food intake for the day which is what they say we should do yeah. and you know kids breathe the way they say we should do and they move the way they say we should do perhaps as adults we need to rethink what we're doing and take some uh, examples from the kids and and Absolutely. be more like them children are so intuitive in knowing how how hungry they are how much they need to eat and and in listening to what their bodies are telling them about those hunger and fullness cues which somewhere along the lines we we lose which is why i was saying about it's really important to develop that positive relationship with food um and kind of step away from from those habits that we've got into through our childhood some somewhere along the lines it was drummed into us whether that's because you know food was scarce after the war or you know the learning um kind of it has, has has changed and it needs to evolve again to go back to that more intuitive way of of eating and that um building that positive relationship so um yeah kind of not 
not forcing them to clear the plate, but also not forcing them to try and letting them to, 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 to take it on themselves and be in control of, of what they're eating and how much they're eating and when they're eating it. And kids are wonderful for that. They're kind of self-regulating, aren't they? We, Like yeah. you say, we've kind of lost that to a degree. But if yeah. they see something on your plate and you seem to be enjoying it, the chances are, like you say, off the chopping board, so much nicer stolen. Like, <laughs> I'll have one of your chips, thank you. So much nicer than I'll order chips for myself. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it, again, it's about putting the fun, fun there and, and allowing that to happen. Just go with the flow. Yeah, giving permission for it to be natural. Yeah, and, and because um, mums are fussy eaters are so often stressed about whether they're getting the right nutrients, whether they're eating enough, again, we're kind of forcing on our, our children what's going on in our heads rather than thinking, actually, they're just not hungry today, you know, that their appetites fluctuate just like our appetite fluctuates and um yeah they're just with that intuition knowing that actually today i do need a whole load of vegetables but tomorrow i need a load of carb and that's all i want all i want is carb um but allowing them to to just experiment and, and go with that flow and see what their bodies are telling them um and to give ourselves permission <laughs> yeah to give ourselves permission as the adults to take a step back and <coughs> excuse me <coughs> to see the broader picture mm. so to see that yesterday he ate a lot of carbs but today he's eating a lot of veg okay that's interesting yeah, yeah. but he's getting a balance in overall yeah and that's a good point. we we kind of as adults again are kind of stuck on that i need my five seven ten whatever it is these days um and i need to have uh two portions of oily fish and i need to have this and i need to have 50 percent on my plate as vegetables and 20 percent as carbs and, and actually with children it's a view across a whole week what what you know rather than worrying about what they've had that day what what have they eaten over the whole week um and i'm just not worrying as well about them not having had the vegetables because actually color is really important yeah. and you know they may well have had those same vitamins and minerals that are in vegetables but through fruit um you know this but <laughs> you kind of have to yeah give that uh, allowance and just allow yourself to to relax a little bit um um and to remember as well that kids needs are different yes. so they may need more of the carbs and the sugary things hopefully more natural than too many e numbers but the, the fruits and things than we do because they need that fuel they're running around they're mm -hmm. growing all of these differences in their um needs and their metabolism and and what's going on for them day to day yeah so where we may need uh, more protein and, and less carb they're you know more carb based and, and, and very little protein really um in comparison so yeah, yeah it's all all fascinating isn't it <clears throat> and i believe that you also support charities mm. as well as doing all of this wonderful work. So can you tell us a little bit about which charities you've chosen and why you, you do this? Yeah, well, it won't surprise you, I'm sure, to hear that the charities I support are food related. <laughs> 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 um, so I've been volunteering with a charity called Square Food Foundation um, 
and another one called 91 Ways to Build a Global City. And they're both Bristol based for local charities for, for, for me. Um, Square Food Foundation supports the local community with uh, cookery classes um, and um, the, the, the funds that they get from um, paid for courses go towards um, supporting the community, uh, the local schools, um, adults with learning difficulties or health issues. Um, the elderly and young adults who have been excluded from uh, mainstream education and it's about bringing together people through food and helping them to learn um, essential skills and skills that can take them into a, a workplace if if necessary um, and during lockdown square food have been um, cooking and providing free meals um to to those in need hundreds and hundreds of meals each week um a lot of the produce that they use in the in the school is um food that would otherwise have gone to waste so uh, places like uh, marks and spencers where they've uh, can't use the food they 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 pick that up um people are donating from from local allotments and things like that so um you know there's so much dear to my heart and, and in that, mm -hmm. that one um in particular and 91 ways is a really interesting one again they provide uh cookery classes for for local communities and supporting those in need of meals but also they host banquets which uh raise funds for the work that they're doing um and it's community cooks who are cooking and providing the food for for those cooks for those uh, banquets and it's food from their culture and it's 91 ways because there are 91 different languages um, and different language communities in bristol alone um, at the last count um, mm -hmm. so yeah the 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 variety of food that they uh, they showcase is absolutely incredible and it's evenings are coming together uh, and sharing food, but also learning about those communities. Um, and yeah, again, bringing people together through food. And, um, you know, food is a common language and it's it's a way of integrating communities. Um, and for, you know, thousands and thousands of years, ways to bring people together and to, um, seal a deal or to bring peace between two peoples was to break bread together bread being the the staple of life so there's so much within our culture within our belief system around food you know even just bread there's so much around that so yeah that sounds absolutely fantastic I, i've come from bristol myself so i know that it's a wonderfully you know mixed and diverse fabulous cultures there that share so many wonderful things i've been to events in the uh city hall where they've done drumming and dance and food yeah so it, it's it's very special i think to to taste those different cultures literally and figuratively and yeah. to, to have that little bit of an experience of something different yeah, and for me, it's not just experiencing that culture and meeting new people, but it's a way of traveling the world without, you know, I, yeah. I can't do that so much. It's, it really is a really a, a lovely way of traveling the world. And um, I like to do that through food. 
And I think they, they say about language that you can't really understand another language and appreciate all of its nuances and, and layers of meaning until you understand the culture that it comes from. And I think it's the same for food. When you learn a language, you learn the culture. They go hand in hand. And when you learn more about the food of a culture, you learn about that culture. Because so much of that influences what they cook, the way they cook it, everything. Yeah, absolutely. No, I totally agree. Yeah. And that brings a richness to your own food because you can draw on those uh, influences. Yeah. And um, yeah. It's a quite a big thing in res restaurants, isn't it? To mix different cultures, two different cultures maybe together and make a whole new uh, way of cooking food. Yeah, I, yeah, I find some, some fusion food is quite tricky to, to get on board with, but I do like borrowing uh, flavours and uh, yeah. cooking techniques is, is a really nice way of, of drawing on other, other cultures, yeah. And, and experimenting and adding whole new ranges, strings yeah. to your bow. Absolutely, yeah. And just as a last thing, I know that before we went live, you were talking about your book, which sounded so amazing, the whole concept behind it and what it offers. So would you share that with us? Yeah, of course. So uh, here it is. It's called The Paracetamol, and it's uh, everyday recipes for natural pain relief. Um, and it was a little lockdown project that I worked on with a friend of mine who is a reflexologist specializing in pain management, mostly for migraines and, and headaches. Um, but some of the things that she, she works on with her um, clients is to, to look not just at the pain, but lifestyle. And one of those things is, is what food they're eating. And uh, she's a strong believer, as am I, that what we put in our bodies affects um, how we feel. And um, for her, the pain that, that we, we experience as well. Um, and there are lots of um, just naturally occurring ingredients which have anti-inflammatory properties which help with pain relief. Um, but what her, she was finding was that her clients didn't necessarily know how to incorporate those ingredients into their diet on a daily basis, um, just not being confident enough to cook and, and what to do with them. Um, so she, she approached me to help her put together a cookery book. Um, so it's uh, breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks and drinks all incorporating um, naturally inflammatory uh, ingredients such as turmeric, um, ginger um, and, and other herbs and spices. So it's everything that you can really easily get hands on even in the supermarket, simple recipes that absolutely anybody could cook with limited experience and limited equipment. So um, yeah, I'm really pleased to, to have brought this book, the book out with her. And where uh, would one get one's hands on this book? Where do you buy uh, it? You can get it through Amazon. Um, oh, okay. Amazon. Yeah. So just through Amazon at the moment. So again, I can share a link to, to that. In, please. In yes, please do. Yeah, but if yeah. anyone's Bristol-based and local to me, I don't know if any of your followers are, but yeah, you can always come and um, bug me for a copy and I will get that to you. That's absolutely wonderful. And it's been a delight to have you, Sarah. So much, so much to share. 
Thank you so much. Thank you. Oh, that's really good. <laughs> I think so, yes. Thank you so much for coming on and for sharing all that you do and for telling us about the book and all of the downloads and things that are available from your website. Yeah. yeah the website. Yeah. So, so if anybody who is watching or who tunes in for the replay, uh, do put in the chat that you're watching the replay, just use hashtag replay. And if you've got any questions, then uh, put them in there. And I'm sure that either I can relay them to Sarah or if Sarah sees them herself, she can reply. Because I'm sure that having listened to all of that, you probably have lots to uh, ask or to share. Uh, and of course, uh, we'll put up your website as well in the chat beneath this uh, live so that you know where to find Sarah and Kitchen Tidbits. So thank you very much for watching and thank you again Sarah for joining me today thank and you. goodbye for now. Bye.